Born Church. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us online. It's going to be a good day, man. Good day. Anybody with us this last Holy Week for Maundy Thursday? Anybody join us for a Maundy Thursday service? We'll, we always do different stuff around Holy Week. Um, we don't ever repeat an idea. We always want to try fresh new things. And, and this year, we got to try something that I've always wanted to do. And on Monday, Thursday, which is the night where we remember Jesus' last supper with his disciples, we relived the entire episode in the Gospel of John and read the entire story of the Last Supper. Because most of John's Gospel is, is that. From chapter 13 onwards, it's Jesus' Last Supper, night in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, his betrayal by Judas, his trial, his crucifixion. I mean, most of John's Gospel is like, those three days. And so we put everybody up here and kind of reenacted a tableau of Da Vinci's Last Supper, which is not historically accurate at all, but cute. So we put all of our speaking people on one side. We put all of our musicians on the other side. Um, and then we just read through and worshiped through the story of the Last Supper. It was really meaningful. And, and we made a choice not to broadcast it or live stream it because we wanted it to be well, we wanted to feel holy. Like we wanted to reward the people who were there for showing up. And of course, not everybody can do that all the time, but, but that one night, we just really wanted the, we wanted the right atmosphere. That this was for the people in the room. This was for the people who, in that moment, showed up. Now, if you've never read those chapters in John's Gospel, like, I encourage you to read them. Chapter 13 through, through 19 is the crucifixion. But you, re, you read those chapters and you, you get this, this sense that Jesus is pastoring the disciples. Like, like he's preparing them for some really rough stuff. Now, they don't know it's rough. They're showing up to have Thanksgiving dinner with their friends. And you've got to imagine this scene that there's probably, you know, dogs running around eating up scraps off the floor, and there's little kids, and there's, you know, women cooking and serving, and all the stuff that they used to do back then when men had one role and women had another, and, you know, back in the good old days of only two genders. And, you know, there's, just, there's all this stuff going on, this really frenetic chaos. And they thought they were just having a big party. No, but Jesus, the whole way through this party, he's... He's looking after his friends. And though they probably couldn't hear it, he's given them little warnings like, hey, you're going to go through some stuff. And, and you need to, you're going to need to pay attention. You're going to need to look after each other. Like, it's not just that I love you. I love you. And you've got to learn how to love each other or you're toast. And so in John chapter 16, Jesus gets toward the end. He goes, I'm promising you that that a helper is going to come? Like somebody you can't even see, somebody you don't even know, somebody, somebody's coming after me. And they're going to lead you, and they're going to guide you. But between here and there, man, you, you're going to have to look after each other. John chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I'm telling you all these things to keep you from falling away. Then he goes on to describe all the stuff that's going to happen. Man, you're going to have enemies within the synagogue, or I suppose for our purposes, within the church. Like there's going to be people inside who try and tear the place apart. There's going to be people in your friend group, in your innermost circle, who don't believe in the way of love and self-sacrifice. 
who want to undo all the good things that we've done together and don't want to keep doing good things that will heal the world. Man, you, you got to watch out for that. And you're going to face not only internal strife, man, there's, there's stuff that's going to happen outside. Well, a lot, a lot of Jesus, I, I think of it as a sermon, but really it's a conversation. A lot of Jesus' conversation with his disciples is going, fellas, you got no clue about the world of hurt coming your way. People are going to speak poorly of you. People are going to slander you. People are going to drag you. You've got to be tough. You've got to be ready. And I like to imagine Peter sitting there, like eating a big old greasy turkey leg, you know. Stuff running his beard. Oh, yeah, we'll be ready, Lord. We got it. You know, he's like, well, I don't know that you did, Pete. You didn't, you didn't come through with flying colors, you know. And Jesus just keeps pressing the issue. John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it, it's good for you that I go away. It's, it's good for you that I go away. What a funny thing to say. Now, one of the things I think is really important for Christian people to do is, is relive the life of Christ until it becomes our own. Like, there's a whole lot out there in the world about uh, deconstructing Christianity. There's a big deconstruction movement. There's all kinds of people who want to assault the faith and people who want to talk about their church wounds. And yeah, you know what keeps me rooted and anchored and believing in the church? Her husband. Jesus. And there's all this stuff out there, you know, about how bad church can be. Maybe, sometimes, yeah. It's not like it's perfect. But, but have you met her baby daddy? <gasps> yeah. See, God's story has to become our story. And that only happens when we anchor ourselves. And not just the words of Jesus, but the, the way of Jesus, the, the spirit of Jesus, the ethos of Jesus, the, the, the convictions of Jesus, the behaviors of Jesus, not just what he said, but who he was, what he did, not just what he did on the cross, not just what he did when he came back from the dead, but like everything. So Jesus says, it's good for you that I go away. And I can imagine, I mean, putting myself in that story, I can imagine sitting there going like, yeah, there's no friggin' way, dude. There's no way it's good. But, but imagine, like, today, like, you know, in 2021, in the 900th week of the pandemic, you know, if, if Jesus was still alive, and he still lived in Jerusalem, and let's say he was, like, really good on social media, I mean, super responsive, you know, you could slide into his DMs at any point, um, don't you feel like there'd be a bit of a bottleneck? Like if you had to get an answer from Jesus in order to feel good about a decision you were making, can you imagine how slow and laborious that process would be? Maybe he'd never even be able to get to your answer. Hey, Jesus, just need a few minutes of your time. Let's get together for coffee so that I can ask you about this boy that I'm dating. By the time Jesus could find time for you in his very busy schedule, that boy would already be dating your best friend. You'd have a whole new prayer request. See, he, he knew and understood that. 
That's why he promised them a better future. Something better. Now, they, they couldn't hear that. He even says to them in John chapter 16, I, go, I have many things to say to you, but you can't hear any of them right now. I think that's funny. Because Jesus, you know, I mean, part of pastoring is uh, shearing the sheep every now and then. Jesus saying, you just, you can't handle the truth. But I imagine living in that story, living in that moment, I imagine that there's a, probably four big reactions to Jesus' news. We got a little diagram on the back copy of your draft, you know, the handout that we give. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's helpful to imagine yourself and put yourself in little boxes. I mean, boxes don't really work. They don't really hold, but it's a nice starting place. You know, at least, at least it gives you a, a, a place from which to move on. So I imagine Jesus says, it's good for you that I go. And I imagine like, uh, like Mary Magdalene hearing that, going, don't, don't, don't go. Don't, don't go. Don't. Because she loved him. I mean, she, she had, the Bible says, been, been possessed by seven spirits. And then, then she met Jesus. And all of a sudden, her, her mind was clear. Her heart was open. She found a, a man who treated her like a person, not just like a pretty lady. I mean, her whole world was revolutionized because of the ministry of Jesus. So I imagine she's, she's pierced by this grief. We see that grief after the resurrection. You know, Mary's the first one who sees the resurrected Jesus. And she runs up to him, and she recognizes him. She goes, Rabboni, and she grabs hold of him. And Jesus says, don't cling to me. Why? Why not? Because it's good that I go. Maybe if you were sitting there at the Last Supper, you'd be grieving, you know. Maybe you'd be like Peter eating the turkey leg and drinking the wine. I don't know. No, no judgment. But, but maybe you'd be a little more spiritual and you'd be grieving. But then I, I laugh because my, uh, perhaps my favorite part about the story of Jesus, all the stories of Jesus, is that he always had people who hated him, which makes no sense to me. But it seems like the more you talk about love, the more people are going to hate you. Martin Luther King. Just love is such a contentious topic. So you think about Jesus' enemies and adversaries. That's why in John 15, Jesus reminds his disciples again and again, don't be misled. If they hated me, they're going to hate you too because the servant's not greater than his master. There's always going to be somebody who hates you. So when Jesus says, it's good for you that I go, I imagine the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the elders of the synagogue. I, I imagine Jesus' opponents going, great. Let's kill him. Let's string him up. Now he won't be close to his followers. Now he's all alone with no protection. We got him. Now, if you imagine yourself at the Last Supper getting excited about killing Jesus, there is something deeply wrong with you. Although, please send me an email about it because I'd be fascinated to know what category of psycho we have in our church. That would be great. Then there's people who, um, I mean, they're flabbergasted. They can't even believe it. It's good for you that I go. But, but why? 
I imagine them going, why can't we have both? Like, okay, there's somebody else coming, the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, your spirit, the spirit of you. Why can't we have Jesus and the spirit? Like, why can't you hang out with me and supernaturally empower me with wisdom and discernment, gifts and authority? Why can't I have it all? Why not? How come? Why can't I have Christmas on my birthday in the same day? Remember, like, years and years and years ago, like two years ago, there was no such thing as Daughter's Day or Son's Day. And remember, did, did you have kids that, like, growing up would always say, Father's Day, that's stupid. Why don't we have Son's Day? And we would say back to them, every day is Son's Day. How did the son get in charge that there's actually a Son's Day right now? I learned today that yesterday was boss's day. I've been a boss for a long time. I never got a boss's day card. I don't know what it says about my leadership, but uh, nothing good. So there's people going, why, why can't we just have whatever we want? I think that's probably where I'd be. I think that's probably where I'd be. Like, why can't you just stay and help me figure it out? I want, I want to be this close to you. Like, I want to know how Jesus would respond today to his critics. Like, when people troll him or drag him online, when they, when they burn his books, when they do all this weird stuff, I, I personally would really like to know how Jesus would respond. But I don't have the man Jesus anymore. We've got, oh, well, we got something better. Spirit of God alive and at work in you. And uh, there's a fourth group. The group that's asking the question, well, like what now? You know, what's funny was when I was preparing this message a couple of weeks ago, originally I thought about that group as a group that was afraid. What now? What now? Now that you're going away, what are we going to do without you? Oh, 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 oh. But yesterday as I was praying, I, I thought, you know, there's another way to ask that question. What now? It doesn't have to be a revelation of fear. It can be about hope. What now? What now? Now think of all the times in the Bible that God says, I'm telling you, the future will be filled with more glory than the past. Haggai chapter 2. Look, I'm doing it. Behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. New thing ain't like the old thing. That's Dave McDonald, but the first part with Jesus. Hope. What does Paul say about hope? Hope doesn't disappoint us. There's a hope for a future glory. Now, today's an emotional day for me. Because real life often rhymes with Scripture. February 1st of 2022, I'm going to leave my work at West Winds and become a full-time missionary to pastors through the chapter house. And this isn't my farewell sermon. That'll be on January 30th, January 2022. But I thought, today I want to, 
I just want to walk you through why that's so important to me. I was uh, 27 when I sat down with my dad in a restaurant in Surrey, British Columbia, and I told him, Dad, Papa, this is my last year at our church. It was widely assumed and I think hoped that I would take over that great church from my father. Um, but I knew that wasn't what God had for me. And I didn't know what God had for me. I did what all amazing, saintly spiritual leaders do, and I began to Google for jobs. And I found this church in this town that I could not find on a map in another country far from home. And we candidated and interviewed for eight months to Westwinds. And hearing about the church from a distance, it just seemed too good to be true. And you are. You are. It has been my special privilege and honor to be your pastor for over 16 years. Not every day has been great. How, how could it be? But I would take the pains and the sorrows that accompany ministry at Westwinds over any church, anywhere, at any point in time. This is a beautiful place. And I fantasize a little bit about life after February, that all the times that I wanted to beat people up who said mean things about Westwinds, but I couldn't because that would reflect poorly on the church, that now I am free to throw haymakers like I will curb stomp you to kingdom come. Um, it's common for pastors when they resign um, to have to leave their church. And I made a request to our elders that my family and I would be allowed to stay here as, you know, Christians. <laughs> and they said yes, which is amazing. That's totally unheard of. Um, so one of the other real fantasies I have is, um, is about serving in my church. Like showing up and doing things because I love it. Because I love it. I love it here. I love it here. I love you. I love you. Twice in my tenure, there have been times where I was so frustrated, um, so beleaguered and pressured that I wanted to leave and, and quit. I'm not quitting. I'm graduating. In 2019, when we bought this old Victorian home in Jackson um, to train pastors, and I, I thought it would be like a hobby, you know, or maybe a retirement plan. Um, but in March of 2020, I went to France and uh, the Netherlands and Italy to um, see what other chapter houses were like. Now, literally, a chapter house is a, a room in a cathedral where priests and theologians argue about policy. Um, that sounds awful to me. 
I made something better. So I, th I thought, well, how, how, do they, how do they run? Like when, when parishioners, or pardon me, when clergy come, when pastors come, how, how does it work? And while I was there, I thought, oh, this is not my retirement plan. This is the next chapter in my life. Well, I was wrong, because the next chapter in my life was a global pandemic. I got back to the States in March of 2020. I was at the home of my mentor, who you heard a couple weeks ago, and we watched the news together. Shutdowns, masks, social distancing. And I thought, well, I can't leave my church in a pandemic. I got to wait. Because a steward is meant to be found faithful. And so you probably could look back over the ministry that we did during the pandemic and see, rather than me riding it out, I said, if this is my last season at Westwinds, boy, I'm going to be attacked by flies. Boy, I'm, I'm going to go full throttle. If you think you're going to survive this sermon... You know it's time to wrap it up when you start smelling like the dead. I mean, I got four months, bro. Give me a sec. Jeez. And then this summer I went on a sabbatical, and I thought during sabbatical I'll work full-time at the chapter house and see, see how if we can start to generate more business and, and, you know, move the ministry forward. That's when we started working on our online school that we launched last week. That's when we started launching online cohorts and stuff. And I realized during that sabbatical I, I, can't, I can't do both. I can't do both. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the future. And I had this conversation with my mom. And she said, David, what do you dream about? Well, I dream about the chapter house. David, you used to only dream about Westwinds. Since you were like a kid, you were dreaming about a church like Westwinds. Yeah, that's true. David... Right now, somebody else is dreaming about Westwinds. And you're in the way. That's a good mother. You're in the way. So I tell you the truth. It's good for you that I go. Because unless I go, you're never going to experience the future glories God has prepared for the world's most spectacular church. Now let me pray. Now I'm going to invite up my friend Rick. Um, I'm going to sneak off the backstage so I can do my ugly crying in the dark. When we have our hive mind meeting in between services, we can, you know, answer more questions and all that kind of stuff. But um, if I could wave a magic wand... I just echo the words of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. God, thanks for the rare privilege of being the pastor of Westwinds. What a dream come true. I have been fortunate to serve with the most talented, gifted, and noble pastors ever 
I've been privileged to come to work every day with the belief and core conviction that you are working through this church to heal the world. I've been able to baptize and bury, marry, and commission world changers, heart renders, spirit walkers, and I was never worthy, but I was always glad. Bless our church. Help us come together in a new way with your help and for your glory. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.